to the StockFan Investor Education Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned investor or one of the millions of people entering the market for the first time, StockFan provides the fundamentals to help you grow your wealth. This is a podcast for investors. We give quality companies the chance to tell their stories while providing you with the tools to invest wisely. If you want to get out in front of the herd instead of being a part of it, join us at StockFan. In this episode of the StockFan Podcast, Hammy conducts a part two interview with CEO of Amped Ventures, Anthony Brown, for another leap into the metaverse. Anthony provides insight on how he believes ordinary people will be able to experience and interact within the metaverse in the not-so-distant future. Additionally, Anthony provides a corporate update in regards to their recent oversubscribed financing and their plans to roll out their pods, the departure lounge, the meta stage, and other related infrastructure products in the near future. Moreover, he explains some of their strategies in place in order to achieve high adoption rates amongst digital content creators utilizing their technology. Anthony provides some final words in regards to the benefits derived from their Equinox partnership and also what upcoming announcement shareholders of AMPT can look forward to. So let's dive right back into the metaverse for another round with Ant Ventures as we welcome back Anthony Brown. Welcome back, Anthony. Great to talk to you again, Graham. So the last time we talked, we were in the middle of a placement uh, looking for $3 million. Uh, 3. Recently, 5. In, 3.5, sorry. Yeah. Uh, re- announced closing of $6.94 million. Incredible, incredible demand. Um, so can you speak to us, you know, about that kind of the process and, you know, just, you know, now that you, I mean, you've, you've raised $6.94 million, I think, you know, investors are going to be curious as to what you're going to be able to do with that, with that kind of capital. Well, so let me break that out a little bit. I think let's start off with like kind of how we launched and what the private placement was about and and, and so on. And then we'll talk about kind of use of proceeds and, and, and how we're moving forward. So, First of all, um, you know the the uh, the timing obviously couldn't have been better. We didn't plan it that way. The fact of the matter was, uh, you know, it's a very complex process to set up the acquisition, the letter of intent, and the definitive agreements, and all that sort of stuff around this this departure lounge initiative, uh, bringing the departure lounge in as a wholly owned sub, uh, negotiating all the back end agreements with MetaStage, etc. Lots of lawyers and lots of paperwork and lots of negotiation that had to go on before we were in a position to launch the private placement. And so I was actually, by the time we actually got it launched, I was kind of frustrated. I was like, you know, geez, come on, can we get this stuff across the line so that we can go out and announce the private placement and so on. So then we announced the private placement at three and a half million. And two days later, um, our good, you know, good old Zuckerberg uh, announces, uh, you know, the, the name change to Meta and, you know, uh, um, investing 10 billion or something. I, I don't know the actual number. Uh, in in European, um, uh, we had 10,000 people in Europe and like $10 billion or something uh, into the metaverse. And so it was only two days after we launched the private placement that the metaverse started to become an actual household word. Everybody kind of started to understand a little bit more about what it was. But I mean, for us, We've been talking about the metaverse for for years and years and years. James, our CSO, uh, was a co-author on a white paper called The Roadmap to the Metaverse in 2007. 
Um, you know, what I like to say is, you know, any overnight success is like 15 years in the making. Um, and so, you know, it just, it just worked out that the timing was there. We launched the private placement uh, and had a, a lot of interest. So we then upped it to from three and a half million to five million to try and accommodate some of the interest. Um, and we oversubscribed that as well. Um, you know, eventually the CSE says, look guys, you, you know, your stock price is too high. You can't take any more. Um, and, and, you know, we, we probably, we reached about as much dilution as we'd really like to carry at this point as well. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, of interested parties out there. There's a lot of new people following the stock a lot, you know, this was, um, you know, and, and, and especially our friends over here at StockFam, we have, we have a ton of investors that came in from the StockFam community. Uh, and we really appreciate that. And we're really glad to have those guys on board. Um, but, um, you know, what does it mean for us moving forward? Well, uh, obviously we have to get the departure lounge spun up with the MetaStage Canada spun up. We're, we're working on that to try and get that done before the end of Q1, uh, 2022 and have the, um, uh, MetaStage actually up and running and, 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 and generating revenue. Uh, we still have the pods to, to get out there. Um, you know, the, unfortunately the flooding in British Columbia has not helped with the shipping issues. And we do have a worldwide components shortage that any computing company is dealing with. Uh, so we're working on the mitigation strategies around that, uh, ordering the gear well in advance and so on, like we did for the first pods, uh, and being able to continue that rollout of infrastructure, uh, as, as we grow. Um, uh, but, this, this interest in the company, the interest in the, the amount of money raised and, and what we're looking at as, as far as support for what we're doing means that we might be able to accelerate through acquisitions a little bit faster. Um, so we are looking very carefully at, you know, what strategic acquisitions would make sense to, to grow at, um, and just like Departure Lounge was. Um, and we're also looking at how we can ramp up the, the staff uh, to be able to meet the, um, uh, you know, the, all of the support and so on as these customers start to onboard. So, you know, it's going to be a bit of an organic process. We're going to keep having calls, you and I, Graham, and I'll give you as much updates as I can on, on you know, where the strategy is going. Uh, honestly, we're still getting our, our heads wrapped around um, what the new budgets look like based on the oversubscribed raise. We only closed it on Monday. Um, and, uh, and so there's some, still some, some work to do there. Um, but I mean, we're really excited. Uh, the community is excited. Um, the, the opportunities abound. Um, it, it seems that we're doing everything right. Um, and, um, I, I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I went back and watched some of our very first discussions and, you know, you kind of watch, you know, as, as you grow and as you hit milestones that you say you're going to hit, you know, the following grows and grows and grows. And, you know, you, know, you made a, a great point that, you know, any overnight success is 15 years in the making. You just happen to hit the, you know, that exact time period that was like a perfect timing in, in essence after 15 years of hard work. But, I mean, just watching the progression, you know, one of the, you know, things that stands out to me when I when I look back at those early one uh, early interviews is, is you saying, you know, you don't like to really push forward with anything unless you know you have things lined up. So like with the pods, you know, you know you have you know customers essentially lined up to kind of use these pods. Uh, mm -hmm. Are you kind of seeing that with the meta stage, uh, for example, uh, as well? 
Absolutely. Uh, we, well, I mean, so first of all, Metastage in LA is is fully booked, right? They they're they're you know I, I don't know you know I don't they're a private company, so I can't give you their their revenue numbers, but they they're they're pretty booked, and there's overflow already that they need to send somewhere. Um, and so through through the fact that we have the partnership with Metastage in LA to build Metastage Canada, um, you know, it gives them a place to to keep those clients happy and so on. Next thing is, is that we have the largest mixed reality community in the world is in Vancouver, not in LA. And this is a mixed reality 4D volumetric capture system. So we expect that there's a higher demand here than there is currently in LA. And so we, you know, started making phone calls and seeing who'd be interested. And, and yes, we already have, you know, our first few uh, engagements lined up uh, and we haven't even, you know, we've ordered the cameras for the gear um uh we are just finalizing the the space where it's where this is all getting deployed um and uh, yeah it's it's going at light speed and and really graham this space the metaverse in general is going to be very very fast it's a it's a land grab it's it's all about being able to um you know bring in the key customers the key contributors to metaverse uh, um, uh, content and, and, and the, the creation of the metaverse um, and doing so in, you know, in as fast a manner as you can. Uh, so it's all about how we accelerate our growth uh, and, and, and move as quickly as possible. Right. So, you know, it's very interesting to watch kind of the evolve, um, how everything's kind of evolving, how quickly it's evolving. Uh, you know, I, I watched a little bit of the Augmented World Expo with Niantic talking about their vision of the metaverse, and it was exactly how you and James depict, depicted it in our last interview. It's just an extension to the physical world. It's not necessarily gamifying everything to where you're leaving the physical world. It's an add-on to the physical world. And when you have that, you know, the level of compute, the level of you know, latency that you need, uh, becomes even more prominent. Uh, so maybe speak to that a little bit, because I think that was a very interesting discussion. I think Niantic really understands the true value uh, of the metaverse. Right. And, well, and so we had James Hursthouse out at AWE, um, uh, and he was in attendance there, um, both presenting and, and um, uh, you know attending you know the seminars and so on, and gathering information. Uh, and and you know Niantic is right. I mean. Uh, First of all, I think there is starting to get a comprehensive definition that is kind of agreed upon by, by most people as to what the metaverse entails. Um, it, there is still some pieces that are formative, you know, whether it's going to be an open metaverse or a closed metaverse, um, whether we're, we're looking at, you know, what the, the main means of interacting with the metaverse will be. But really, I think the most likely scenario uh, is that it'll be kind of standard glasses, maybe a little bit thicker than mine, but like pretty standard looking glasses that will probably tether to a, uh, a cell phone or something that gives you a little bit more edge compute. Um, and then it'll be more of an overlay, an augmented reality experience for the most part uh, than it will be a virtual reality experience. Um, that being said, virtual reality is also going to improve and we're also going to be able to get more into the haptics and the the, the better ways of interacting with a fully immersive, you know, world that 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 gets, you know, that puts ours away. But I think the majority of the interaction with the metaverse is going to be more of, you know, you're walking down the street with your glasses on and, and the metaverse is all around you 
while you're in the real, real world at the same time. Right. So just back to the production side of things in Vancouver in general, you know, it's dubbed Hollywood North for, you know, a lot of investors in the South that may not understand that, uh, you know, Disney's moving up here, you know, Netflix is up here. Like, I mean, all the big studios are here. Um, so what is ultimately your vision for Amp's role with all these studios and all this production that's going on? Because there's a, an insatiable demand for content right now. Yeah. Well, Ant is the, you know, not only the hosting company for the metaverse, but the tools and technologies for the metaverse. Mm -hmm. um, from an Ant uh, core infrastructure perspective, it's our Ant virtual studio. So this gives digital content creators, whether you're making a video game, a television show, or a movie, uh, or, or a, you know, VR experience for that matter, uh, we give you all of the tools you need, all of the computing you need, the render, the storage, the virtual workstations, and the various different software tools that you need to create that experience or create that content. So think of App Virtual Studio as a virtual studio for digital content creators. You can log into it from anywhere. You can use almost any device uh, to be able to get access to this high-end compute to create content. And then you have the infrastructure underlying that that can then host the content. If you've got a, a fully immersive experience, you could run that experience on AMP servers and be able to access that experience from whatever device, home device that you're that you're using. The last thing is where we bring, and this is partly where Departure Lounge comes in, is it's not only the computing tools and computing and the software side of things that digital content creators need to make this content. It's things like MetaStage and LED walls and so on. So volumetric capture, the 4D volumetric capture, being able to have a live performance and be able to take that live performance and put it into the metaverse. You know, the example we gave was that UFC fighter type of demo where you could, you know, watch a UFC fight from the eyes of the fighter in full 3D, mm -hmm. right? You could, you could float, you know, 10 feet above the octagon and, and you know, or stand in it for that matter, yeah. uh, which you can't do with regular cameras. Um, and that, that um, uh, ability to do that is, is supported by a ton of compute, but you need 106 volumetric cameras and a, and a stage to do it in. Same thing with virtual production. Um, you can do a lot with virtual reality, you can do a lot with, but you still need at the very least motion capture um, and motion capture cameras. Uh, and on the high-end virtual production side of things or, the, or for the live action stuff, you need an LED wall to display those graphics in real time. So if you think about all the tools and technology required to create the content, what you described as all the people coming to Vancouver are the content creators. So just like the, in the old days with Seven Group, where we, we built out the studio infrastructure on-prem for each of these studios across Canada, now we're building, now what we're doing is giving them access to the Amp Virtual Studio Cloud to be able to create all that content. And it, it would be our intention to sign all of those guys up. I mean, I, I, I can't say that I, that I guarantee that or anything, but that would be our goal. We'd be going out to each one of those guys and saying, look, it's you know, 500 bucks a seat, uh, and you're off to the races. It's a full running platform. You're coming to Vancouver. Why would you build a data center in your, you know, spend two million bucks in your office and take up a bunch of space to try and put your compute in there? That's the old days. Yeah. And and you know, it doesn't matter whether your um, your artists are in Vancouver. Your artists can be in in anywhere, and they can access the Amp Virtual Studio. Right. So, you know, it's these sorts of, of technologies uh, to help 
content creators make content for the metaverse, for film, for television, for video games that Ant is going to be providing. Right. And you announced Bardell a few weeks ago, I believe. So how, how do you get, how do you attract these other content creators to get onto this system? How, what, what is it going to take, I guess, from your side to get them onboarded? Uh, is it infrastructure? Is it just, you know, giving them the opportunity to try it out? What, what do you think, uh, where's the adoption for, for utilizing uh, the app virtual uh, studio? Well, my experience with when, when we were running Seven Group in the 2000s and uh, 2010s um, what, was that once you're able to build up a reference architecture for something, for render, for, for, for whatever, for, for a studio, and as one studio buys it, they all start to buy it. It's a very kind of closed community. Um, they all kind of uh, know what each other is doing. Uh, and once somebody offers something that is a superior, you know, useful product, the adoption rate happens very quick. So in, in the case of Seven Group, we went in 2004 was our first studio. And then we had something like 70% market share, though we never did actually check. That's a, that's a, that was our guess um, uh, by about 2008. So it took about four years. Um, and that was, that was for Canadian companies, though we did have companies all around the world. Right. So there's 150,000 digital content creators in Canada now. Um, it only takes 1,666 seats of digital content creators for us to hit 10 million a month, or 10 million a year, sorry, in revenue. Um, and so really the goal is to fill up as many seats around the world, not just in Canada, uh, hence the pods in LA and, and Amsterdam right. and so on, um, uh, for, for creating this digital content. Um, you know, so how do we get them? Number one, it is getting the studios, uh, and and every one every time you get one of those early adopters, really showcasing it, doing the right white papers on it, and showing off what you've done for that studio, mm -hmm. right? And and getting that out to the community. It means attending all of the big conferences, NAB and SIGGRAPH, and all of that sort of stuff, and making sure that you're showcasing the solutions there. Um, uh, you know, there's there's marketing involved and so on, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you're better, faster, and cheaper. You're going to get the business eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it's it is the way it is. I think what you'll see happen though in the next few months is you'll see some. You know, we've mentioned Bardell and Bardell's awesome, but you're going to start to see some more of the bigger name studios that are signing up to the product. And as those start to come in, the adoption will accelerate. Right. right. So um, we do see. We do have some in the pipeline. You, we won't talk about who they are until they get announced. Um, but when they, when those guys get announced, we leverage that. We tell the community, "Look, this great studio has adopted our technology," and then it, it, it tends to accelerate pretty quickly after that um, with with the adoption rates. Yeah, that's a great point. As soon as you start getting some of these other names in there, it just kind of starts to scale over top of. Each other. So I guess yeah, the, don't get me wrong. We don't only have Bardell. I know Bardell yeah. is, you know, our, one of our favorites. And you yeah. know, yes, I'm a giant Rick and Morty fan, and I tend <laughs> to bring them up more more often than, than than I would. But you know, we signed Bunker Digital, which is like a small studio, but it comes from. These are all guys that are from, you know, Scanline and and you know the big name uh, uh, studios out there that chose to to use the Amp Virtual Studio because this is the way they want to build studios in the future. Right. Uh, you know, we didn't highlight that too much. They're a very small group of guys, 
uh, and they're more in the in the startup range right now. Um, uh, but you know, it, it really shows off what the industry veterans think of the product. Right. Uh, and as we start to get that adoption, it will snowball. And and that's generally, I mean, you know, that's what we experienced before. That's what I expect to see again. Right. And, you know, just being kind of tapped into the Equinix network uh, has got to be helpful mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I think we talked about that, uh, you know, being hardwired, you know, into into Europe, for example, is, you know, a pretty yeah, important... The, the key with the Equinix data centers is this back-end fabric that they use to communicate between their data centers. Yep. So they don't use the standard internet, you know, an ISP connection to connect mm -hmm. in between different data centers around the world. They have their own fabric. And so that mitigates latency and accelerates bandwidth yeah. pretty dramatically from data center to data center. And that's really key for what we do. It allows communications between different urban centers uh, in a much lower latency, higher performance manner. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the, the signing of the deal with, with Equinix was fabulous. That's where it's going to be Equinix Amsterdam. It's going to be um, uh, LA, uh, Equinix LA. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, uh, Equinix wherever we can we can put them, and they have a worldwide footprint. They're they're everywhere we need to be, right? Uh, and so that really helps us a lot. Awesome. Well, Anthony, I'll uh, I'll leave you to some final words for investors. What to kind of expect over the next little while here? Um, I'm sure we're going to have you back very soon. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure you've been inundated. Uh, you know, with this with this raise, and you know, now the company's kind of in that in that spotlight, so to speak. Um, so it's very good to see. But I'll leave you with some final words for investors: what to expect in the coming weeks. I know we're getting into the holiday season, so I'm not sure if that affects you guys in any manner. But uh, you know, looking forward to a lot of the developments. Yeah. Um, look, we're uh, look forward to uh, the announcements on the pod rollouts. Look forward to the announcements on the on the first few customers using the pods. Uh, and, and new customers onboarding with AMP. I uh, look forward to the announcements around Departure Lounge and the deployment of MetaStage. Um, there's you know, there's going to be a lot going on uh, over the next couple of months. I think there might be a little bit of delay for us to catch our breath since Monday, um, but it won't be very long yeah. uh, uh, because these these things, you know, as soon as as soon as you actually put pen to paper, you only have so much time before you have to announce it uh, if it's material. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to see stuff over the next couple of months uh, that'll highlight, uh, you know, what's happening with the pods, what's happening with uh, MetaStage, what's happening with new customers coming on board, uh, and uh, yeah, look forward to talking more about that as we go. Awesome. Well, thank you, Anthony, for joining us again. Always a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to speaking again very soon. Same here. Thanks, Grant. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this interview. To hear more interviews as well as our other investor education content, please subscribe to the podcast and visit our website at stockfamgroup.com where you will gain full access to all of our free educational platforms. Also, to view the video versions of much of our content, follow us on YouTube at StockFamTV.